Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, nine years ago, Kristen and I, we moved back to the great state of Minnesota. We spent a brief stint in the land of Packers and, uh, and Badger fans in Wisconsin. But when we came back, I'd been a pastor for about 15 years. And at that time, we had done primarily set up and pack up in a couple different schools, uh, movie theaters. That's kind of what I knew. But I was like, God, I'm really tired of setting up and packing up. God, I'm tired of the messy lives that happens in church planting. When you're starting a, a church kind of from the ground up and you're, you're raising up leaders and you're raising up disciples, like, God, please just send me to a church that's like small, safe with stained glass. And God said, no, or at least not yet. And there was this guy named Dave Reno, who we call the Yoda of church planting. Josh Olson used to be his youth pastor, actually. And Dave Reno believed in me and saw something in me and said, Eric, I think you're supposed to be a church planter. And I was like, I've been a part of church planting. I'm tired of this. I don't think so. And so Dave took me out for coffee, and he opens up his iPad, and he, and he has a, a map of the Twin Cities. He's like, where do you want to plant a church? I was like, I don't want to plant a church. And he kept hounding me and hounding me, and God kept confirming it. And flash forward about six months, eight months or so, uh, at that time we were pregnant with our third child, Andrew. And so uh, Andrew is born on April 15th, and then uh, he's in the hospital. I think he was born on a Friday. I'm not positive. Kristen would know. But I know that that Sunday, uh, April 17th, I believe, uh, I went back to go preach at Dave's church and to talk about Mosaic. I've been there one other time, did an informational meeting, came back and preached two days after we had Andrew, and just shared this, this vision of what could happen if we started a church for a couple unique groups of people. Number one, for people who are moving into the Twin Cities, and particularly the Maple Grove area, who are from another place. We were gone 10 years and realized how hard it is to connect with people when you're newly into Minnesota, because people have their friends, their family. It's hard to break into those circles already. Number two, we want to plant a church for people who are disconnected from other churches for whatever reason. Or maybe not even disconnected, but they're just sitting on the back row. People who God has called and equipped to be elders, uh, to be worship leaders, uh, to be uh, staff, to be leaders in the church, but what, for whatever reason, they're just sitting kind of uh, on the back row and aren't fully engaged yet. And then third, we want to plant a church for people who are far from Jesus, who whether they never knew him, or maybe they grew up with some kind of idea of who Jesus is, but we're going to call them back into that faith relationship with Jesus. And we held this meeting, we invited some people in, and I remember at first, being a little discouraged that we didn't get many people from Dave, the uh, Church Planting Yoda's church, we did get Matt and Lauren Anderson and Ryan and Laura Holland. So give it up because that, that was worth it. Um, they actually, neither one were a part of that church at that time. They're both visiting and they believed in the mission and came on. And so with Matt and Lauren and, and Ryan and Laura and, and a few other people, we built this launch team. Said, hey, would you believe in this mission, this vision of helping people connect with God, with others. And then eight years ago, we had our first service uh, at Weaver Lake Elementary School. And here we are still today. 
And praise God, God is good, amen? And I'm just so thankful for the ways that he has shown his faithfulness to our church uh, these last eight years. I'm going to share uh, just a little bit out of God's word, uh, and then we're, we're going to give you a time at the end of service just to reflect on the last eight years uh, and just how we can be thankful for what God has done in your life, what he's done through Mosaic, through this church. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into God's word. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are here in this place. God, I thank you that you hear us, um, that you love us. Uh, God, I thank you just for the last eight years and your faithfulness. And God, that you have been with us through the storms. God, that you are our cornerstone. God, that you are the thing that we can stand on and, and, and just be our firm foundation. So God, I pray that we just continue to trust you, to follow you, to know, God, that you are faithful. In your name we pray, amen. In the time of King, uh, in, in Israel and the Israelites, the, uh, the kingdoms were separated. And this was uh, after the time of David. And the northern kingdom, uh, kingdom of Israel, had rebelled against God and was kind of under God's judgment. And so the Syrians had surrounded them, and for a long time there had been this deep siege. What happens in a siege is there's no more food. And so things are desperate, and people are dying, and there is no hope. And so this is where the story is going to pick up in 2 Kings chapter 7. We have this people of God who are hopeless, they are surrounded, and they're looking for some hope. And so Elisha is one of the prophets of God. Maybe you've heard of Elijah and Elisha. Elisha learned from Elijah. And so the king is asking, Elisha, come here. I need some hope. And, and here's how uh, Elisha responds. In 2 Kings chapter 7, he says, Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow at Samaria's gate, Six quarts of fine flour will sell for half an ounce of silver, and 12 quarts of barley will sell for half an ounce of silver. Then the captain, the king's right-hand man, responded to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this really happen? Elisha announced, You will, in fact, see it with your own eyes, but you won't eat any of it. Now, four men with a skin disease were at the entrance to the city gate. They said to each other, Why just sit here until we die? If we say, let's go into the city, we will die there because the famine is in the city. But if we sit here, we will also die. So now, come on, let's surrender to the Arameans' camp. If they let us live, we will live. If they kill us, we will die. So the diseased men got up at twilight to go to the Arameans' camp. When they came to the camp's edge, they discovered that no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean camp to hear the sound of chariots, horses, and a large army. The Arameans had said to each other, The king of Israel must have hired the king of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. So they'd gotten up and fled at twilight, abandoning their tents, horses, and donkeys. The camp was intact because they had fled for their lives. When these diseased men came to the edge of the camp, they went into the tent to eat and drink. Then they picked up the silver, gold, and clothing and went off to, to hide them. Uh, then they said to each other, we're not doing what is right. Today is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until morning light, our punishment will catch up with us. So let's go tell the king's household. 
The diseased men came and called to the city's gatekeepers and told them, we went to the Aramean camp and no one was there, no human sounds. There was nothing but tethered horses and donkeys and the tents were intact. The gatekeepers called out and the news was reported to the king's household. So the king got up in the night and said to his servants, let me tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we are starving, so they have left the camp to hide in the open country, thinking when they come out of the city, we'll take them alive and go into the city. But one of his servants responded, please let messengers take five of the horses that are left in the city. Their fate is like the entire Israelite community who will die. Let us send them and see. The messengers took two chariots with horses and the king sent them after the Aramean army saying, go and see. So they followed them as far as the Jordan. They saw that the whole way was littered with clothes and equipment the Arameans had thrown off in their haste. The messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the Aramean camp. It was then that six quarts of fine flour sold for half an ounce of silver and 12 quarts of barley sold for half an ounce of silver, according to the word of the Lord. The king had appointed the captain, his right-hand man, to be in charge of the city gate. But the people trampled him in the gate. He died, just as the man of God had predicted when the king had come to him. When the man of God had said to the king, about this time tomorrow, 12 quarts of barley will sell for half an ounce of silver and six quarts of fine flour will sell for half an ounce of silver at Samaria's gates. So, that's a weird story, right? The people of God, they're surrounded. These four lepers who aren't allowed in the city because they are unclean. And they're saying, what should we do? We are hopeless. If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go there, we might die. Let's take that chance and go there. And what happened? God showed up in a miraculous way and somehow uh, whether it was their feet or someone else, they thought they heard the sound of all these armies and the enemy ran away. And so these four lepers who would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, weren't allowed in the city. They go and they find the food and they're gorging themselves and they're eating good and they're taking silver and gold and they're hiding it and they're burying it. So a good amount of time has passed. But then realization struck them. We cannot keep this good news just for ourselves. It's not enough just to take care of us. What do we have to do? We have to take this news to the city. And so they go, even though they weren't allowed in the city, they're supposed to be outside because of their skin condition, because of the leprosy, and good news enters into the city. People come out, they eat, they are satisfied. The people are saved. I think this story is such a good story, and even for our community, that it's so easy to just stay in the comfortable where we are right now, but I love those lepers. If we stay here, we will die. If we go, we might die. And honestly, that's where Mosaic has been, is seven locations in eight years. We've said, we can't stay here. We got to go here. We got to go here. We got to go here. Always on the move, following the Holy Spirit. I love the ancient Celts called the Holy Spirit the wild goose, chasing after the, the, the wild goose. God, where are you going? Where are you leading? But those lepers, what did they do? They had to take that step of faith to leave what was comfortable, to go to a scary place, but God was already ahead of them, amen? God was doing the miracle. It wasn't, they didn't do anything. They simply received the goodness of God, the miracle of God. And so they were fed you know, they, they, they had money and they were blessed and all these things. But they said, well, no, we can't keep this just to ourselves. We have to take this good news to the city. We have to take this good news to Indonesia. 
to Thailand, to Malawi, to Munich, to northern Minnesota. It'd be so easy to say, hey, this is just for us. But I believe God has more for us, amen? We could say, hey, let's just be content to just make disciples of our kids and who we are, but that is not why we started this church. We started this church, number one, reach people far from God. To reach people who are disconnected. People who are maybe a part of a church but aren't in the game. I think this next year, as, as we are turning eight and into this, this, this next year of our lives, what can we do to lean in, to take the good news to the city, to bring healing with us, to bring the goodness of God with us, to say, hey, this is my story. I was hopeless and helpless, and God's healing came, God's goodness came, and let's take that news. And ultimately, that news is fulfilled in the person of Jesus, amen? Jesus came, he put on diseased skin like ours, uh, even though he was perfect and, and never sinned. And he endured all the, the, the sin and shame that we have. And he took it on the cross and he died for us, amen? Why do we say, let's go do this thing. Let's go help people love God, make disciples and serve others. Just for us, no, because he is worthy, Amen. Because he bore our sins on the cross and he rose again. And so because of our love for him, we say, hey, we cannot keep this just to ourselves. Because right now, there are people in our community considering taking their lives, looking for hope. Because right now, there is a man in a marriage who is so broken by porn, he doesn't know if he can ever find hope. Because right now, there are junior high kids who are being bullied and don't want to go to school. Because right now, there are kids in broken homes. Right now in our city, there's a mom considering abortion. Right now, there are marriages that are ready to give up. Right now, there are people who are so hopeless, so helpless, they're just looking for some good news and they think there's no way things could ever change. In this story, they thought there was no way change could ever happen, but God can do in a moment what we can never plan, amen? And so right now, let's open our eyes to see the city around us and say, God, we're not done yet, amen? That we have built this foundation on Jesus and we are here to help people to know the love of God, to experience the love of Christ, that when they are hopeless, when they are helpless, when they're thinking of ending their life, when they're thinking of blowing up their marriage, to say, no, 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 Christ loves you. He died for you. We want you to experience the love of God, to reflect that love back to him, to become a worshiper of him, which is what we are created to do. Right now, there are people in our community who are lonely, who are hurting, who there are teenagers who need someone to reach out to them. And so we say, hey, we want to help people serve others. We, we, we want to equip people. Hey, you have a passion for something? Let us know. We want to equip the saints for ministry. That's why we're here. If you say, man, I'm feeling called to Indonesia. I'm feeling called to someplace. Let's get you overseas. If you want to start some kind of outreach for somebody here in the city and you're feeling called, let's equip you. Let's send you out. We're here to help people serve others. But we don't have all the, all the ideas, the leaders in this church. 
All y'all, we are the body of Christ, amen? We are the church. How can we encourage each other to serve each other? Not just inside our community, but those outside of our community. What can we do to help each other serve others? And how can we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples? A beautiful and hard thing about church planting is you guys get a pastor who's never been a senior pastor before. And so I'm learning what this is. And we all get board members who've never served on another board in another church before. And primarily staff members who've never served on staff at another church before. And all that's beautiful because we get this opportunity for people to step into leadership, but also it requires a lot of grace, right? But that's what discipleship is. It's saying, hey, we're stumbling in grace together. To say like, hey, let's keep growing. Let's keep making disciples. We don't have all the answers. But man, when my kid com- comes out of kids ministry and, 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 and Mariah has like the shield of faith or something and she's learning about the armor of God, ain't, I love that. You know, when our teenagers, when we're learning about how to share the gospel and what prayer is, and I notice the changes in their lives, that's so good. When, when people come into our church who have never stepped into leadership and are leading small groups now, who are leading a women's Bible study on Saturday mornings because they've grown in their discipleship, they've grown in Christ, that's why we're here, amen? Now, my encouragement is, I was talking to my pastor, everyone has to have a pastor, my pastor's Pastor Ben in Northridge and, and, and we were able to connect on Friday and I said, you know what, what's hard that right now, since the pandemic, like it feels like we haven't had as many exciting stories of the miracles that we did in our first five years, of heroin addicts coming to Christ, of a young woman who was considering abortion, and, and through the work of this church community, that little boy is born. And he's in kindergarten. And, and people finding hope and addicts coming to Christ. But as we talked and, and, and processed, and it's like, you know what, though? But just as special is the long obedience in the same direction. It may not be as headline-grabbing, but when a dad who hasn't shown much interest and spiritual things. Starts praying out loud for the first time. Coming to a small group for the first time. Going to a Bible study for the first time. That's just as sexy, amen. <laughs> and so for myself, it's like, praise God for all those stories. Praise God for the slow changes because it doesn't always happen in this crazy instant. Sometimes change is slow, but also we can say thanks for that. But you know what? I want to pray for some more of that stuff. Because there are people in our community who are contemplating doing terrible things. And we can point them to Jesus, amen? And so, this isn't a finish line. We're here to say, hey, what's next? And so, as we pray about what's next, we also want to spend some time just reflecting on the goodness of God. Uh, One of our, 
our, our uh, people that we support as a, as a local partner is Justin and Allison Fury. And so they are church planters in northern Minnesota, about two and a half hours north of us in, in a little community called Pelican Rapids. And Justin filmed just a really quick uh, two-minute video we're going to play. Uh, and then um, Ryan, our chairman of our board, is going to come up and just lead us through an exercise. We're going to give you guys an opportunity just to reflect uh, we, we look ahead to the future and say, God, we want more. We want to see exciting stories. We want to see miracles. But also, we don't, we're just going to pause. And it's good to take some time to look back, to reflect, to remember, to record what God has done. And so we're going to have some sticky notes back there. And, and we're, the band's going to come up. And uh, you can write down just what are you thankful for? What has God done in your life? Ryan's going to lead us uh, through that in just a little bit. Um, but go ahead and check out this video from Justin, one of our church planners that we support in northern Minnesota. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world you can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.